0: in the middle of studying equipment for the battle, and uh, so Ephesians chapter 6 is our our place of study, and uh, uh, we're going to continue studying the whole armor of God. Really, uh, we need to be reminded of this. This is probably very familiar territory for many, but uh, yet we need to be reminded that we are in a battle each and every day. And um, in verses 10 uh, through 13, it kind of introduces this subject of spiritual uh, warfare. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wilds of the devil or the methods of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Again, uh, a couple places here uh, in verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. In verse 13 it says, take unto you the whole armor of God. Uh, we're told uh, that uh, we as Believers, as saints of God, are engaged in this battle against powerful, relentless enemy, uh, and our enemy is called the devil in verse 11, and he employs wiles. Uh, uh, that word wiles is, uh, refers to the tricks, the schemes, the methods uh, that he uses to undermine the faith of uh, Christians and to attack the glory of God. Now, uh, God's command to his people is that they stand against the attacks of the enemy. We see that in verse 11, 13, and 14. Uh, The word stand there is a military term. It means to hold a critical position during a time of enemy attack. Uh, It's the image of a soldier refusing to yield even one inch of ground to the attacking foe. It's not the image of someone on the offensive, really, at this point, but Rather, it's a picture of a soldier on the defensive protecting the ground that's already been won. God has given his people some very precious possessions. Uh, He's given us truth. He's given us uh, our local church. He's given us the word of God, the Bible. Uh, He's given us his grace, his salvation, his blessings, and we could go on and on and all the things that God has given to us. Uh, And the devil wants it for him, himself. Uh, and he'll stop at nothing to take everything we've been given by the Lord. And if we're to keep what we have received from the Lord, uh, we must stand and hold to the critical ground we've received from the Lord. And to do that, God says, we must put on the whole armor of God. Now, the passage we have here is going through the individual pieces that would constitute the ar- armor. And uh, We've already uh, started uh, with the belt of truth. It refers to a life of total commitment to the Lord. It refers to a life that is built upon faithfulness, faithfulness to the Word of God, faithfulness to God of the Word. And uh, we, uh, it speaks of truth, truth in testimony, truth in living. This is the belt of truth that will provide a Christian soldier stability, It'll also provide uh, a place for the other pieces of armor to rest. And without the belt of truth, the soldier of God will find the other pieces of armor useless. Then we looked at the breastplate of righteousness. That refers to power of a holy life. A holy life that is a life that is lived according to the teaching of God's word. And it's a powerful defense, against the attacks of the enemy. And when we allow sin to dwell in our lives, we give Satan a beachhead, so to speak, uh, from which he can attack us and exploit us. Uh, uh, in uh, Back in chapter 4 and verse 27, it says, neither give place to the devil. And so we don't want to give place to him. And so holiness closes the door the devil and helps protect us from his attacks. Now, we're continuing tonight to discuss the spiritual warfare, and we want to consider uh, the boots of peace. The boots of peace, and uh, examining here what Paul uh, means when he says that we're to stand uh, with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's where uh, we find this third piece of equipment. Now, why, first of all, are these boots desired? Sometimes I think we take shoes for granted, but they are a very important part of our apparel. Now, Uh, There are some cultures where shoes aren't that important, I suppose you could say. Uh, They come to church barefoot. They walk several miles barefoot and so forth. And so shoes aren't that important. But it seems in our culture, shoes are important. Um, Remember that one lady who had a whole closet full of shoes? Let's see, she was a a president's wife in the Philippines or someplace. Was Was that it? marcos yeah uh, she was known for the, all the shoes that she had and uh I've, I've seen pictures someplace of of her closet just full of shoes more shoes than you could ever wear in a lifetime i would think but you know we have all kinds of shoes in our own closets i'm sure uh, you have probably more than one pair the ones you're wearing right now uh, but we have dress shoes and uh, we have Ca- uh casual shoes and we have work shoes and shoes that we might wear if we go walking. Uh, we have lots of shoes. Uh, and uh, I don't know if, if it, you ladies have more shoes than the men here, but uh, uh, we won't ask how many shoes, pairs of shoes you have uh, tonight. Uh, but uh, when I uh, plan to go on a, any given day, that kind of de- what I'm going to do determines what kind of shoes I would put on. Uh, I don't often think about my shoes, but I'm thankful for them. Uh, they protect my feet. Uh, I don't do well barefooted. I'd never make it in one of those cultures where they go around barefooted. I have very sensitive feet. And just ask my wife; she'll tell you I have very sensitive feet. But you know, shoes keep your Uh, feet warm or dry, safe. Um, And uh, so, you know, many times in the summertime, kids will uh, go without their shoes and they'll play in the the yard and so forth. But I can't imagine, I don't think I ever did that. Uh, Shoes are an important part of our wardrobe. You think about how important they are uh, to certain professions. Think of construction workers. They would be crazy to try to do their jobs without proper footwear. You know, uh, if you've got a job that's uh, uh, somewhat dangerous and and, uh, you've got to have good footing, uh, even sometimes steel-toed shoes are are in order because you don't want to drop something on your toes. Uh, Can you imagine a football player walking onto the field without his cleats? Uh, Or how about a baseball player, Uh, you know, uh, or even a tennis player? Uh, They have all kinds of different shoes for different purposes. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, a construction worker, a football player, uh, a baseball player, a tennis player, uh, all these kind of things, it was a few years ago. I wore the wrong shoes when we went to the golf outing uh, at, at Camp Chatech, and it was a little damp, my shoes didn't have the, uh, the tread on the bottom that they should have. And I slipped down a hill and just, you know, because I didn't have the right shoes on. But can you imagine doing all these kinds of things in a pair of flip-flops? How many construction, do you wear flip-flops out to work, uh, Jeff? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I would doubt you would wear flip-flops. You won't even catch me wearing flip-flops around the house. Because personally, I think they're of the devil. I mean, uh, whoever thought, whoever came up with this idea of putting something in between your your big toe and the next toe. That's just crazy, you know. But uh, some people, they, they like to wear them. And, uh, but uh, no, you wear the right shoe for the right uh, situation. It's important to an athlete, to a construction worker, to a, uh, to a businessman, uh, to a housewife. I know... Uh, many times uh, dress uh, uh, in in the business world has become quite casual but uh, um, but they're very important to a soldier uh, the soldier's life will depend upon his sho- shoes uh, soldiers are required to march long distances they' are required to fight battles of all types of environments. They' are to walk uh, through jungles and over rocks and cross stream beds uh, filled with uh, sharp jagged rocks. Uh, they go maybe in the wintertime through snow or in the summer time or in some uh, areas of the world, burning deserts. And so if a soldier's feet be- becomes, uh, they become swollen, or tender, or cut, or blistered, that soldier would be greatly hindered in the day of battle. Uh, They uh, might not be able to stand and fight. They might not be able to march. Uh, They might not be able to properly handle their weapons. Uh, They certainly could not advance on the enemy. Can you imagine advancing on the enemy in a pair of flip-flops? That just doesn't make any sense. Well, sore feet would determine the soldier's ability to stand firm. Now, the Roman soldier, uh, the image that Paul is using here to illustrate the whole armor of God, this piece of the whole armor, uh, they would wear uh, leather boots that were protecting the, the feet and the ankles. These boots or these shoes called caliga. Uh, were half boot and that allowed the soldier to advance toward the enemy and uh, undistracted about what they might step on. Uh, It was a piece of the armor that was essential for the Roman soldier in their preparation for battle. Now, some of these uh, boots might have been what we call hobnailed shoes, soles, uh, which means they had bits of metal or nails or Something driven through them so that they gave traction uh, underneath. The hobnailed soles gave the Roman soldier the traction they needed to climb hills and uh, on fight on uneven terrain. Uh, the boots worn by the Roman soldier gave a, a great ability as he engaged the enemy. But if we're going to stand against the wiles of the devil... We must have on the proper spiritual footwear as well. Now, we've talked about being girt about with truth, and we have the breastplate of righteousness. But if we neglect to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, we're destined to stumble and to fall. So this is why these boots are desired. Secondly, notice what these boots depict. What these boots depict. The word preparation here means to be ready. Uh, it's the same word you find in Titus uh, 3 and verse 1, which says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, and then it says, to be ready to every good work. The soldier's boots allow him to be ready for whatever he faces. A good pair of boots makes him ready to march, to stand, to climb, to fight, whatever else they might be uh, called on to do. And the same readiness should mark the people of God. So to what does this kind of readiness refer? Well, in one sense, it means that the child of God must be ready to be about the business of sharing the gospel with the lost world. I were to be uh, able to move at the Lord's command, going from place to place, uh, sharing the gospel, preaching the gospel to the lost, telling them about Jesus. And this is a, a sense in which all believers are to be actively engaged. Uh, and Peter said it this way: "But sanctify the Lord God your heart, or your in your hearts, and be ready. Notice that again to be ready." To give always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, when God saved us, he commanded us to tell others what he has done for us and what he can do for them. Uh, he has given us his spirit. The Holy Spirit has equipped us for the work of evangelism. That's Acts 1.8. Uh, the very heart of our duty to the lost as is we go and tell that's the great commission go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even unto the end of the world amen now i believe that sharing the gospel with the lost advances the kingdom of god so why these boots are desired and what these boots depict Notice, thirdly, what these boots deliver. What these boots deliver. Now, in my opinion, that isn't Paul's primary emphasis. Uh, it's not necessarily ongoing. That's an important part. But the emphasis here has been on standing. Paul's not just talking about sharing the gospel, He's talking about taking a stand and fighting against Satan. And the gospel of peace, of course, refers to the glorious news that through our relationship with Jesus Christ, we are at peace with God. Now, it wasn't always that way, was it? Before we got saved, we were enemies of God. That's what tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 10, when God saved us, he reconciled us to himself. And when he did, he declared us to be at peace with him. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. Now in Jesus, the saints of God are at peace with God. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies... In your mind, by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unprovable in his sight. Listen, the gospel of peace Paul refers to here is the marvelous news that in Christ we are at peace with God. It's a glorious truth. It's a wonderful truth. We've been made one with the Lord. We have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means we stand in absolute confidence that God loves us, that he has forgiven us, that we're united with him, that he fights for us, and that all is well with our souls. It's a confidence that we have that we're saved. And we have this confidence. We possess the peace of God in our hearts, and we're ready. Ready to do what? To stand against any enemy comes along against us. Now, there are some examples of peace, the kind of peace abounds in the Bible. The kind this kind of peace abounds in the Bible. First of all, the children of Israel under the leadership of Gideon. You remember him? Gideon wit- witnessed the Lord reduce the size of his army from 32,000 to 300. Those 300 men placed their confidence in the Lord, and followed him into battle. They saw the Lord defeat a immense Midianite army without the use of a single weapon. And all those men did was break some clay jars and allow a lamp inside to shine. They blew a trumpet, and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Their faith in God's promise gave them confidence to stand. Uh, then in uh, in Second Chronicles, the people of Judah were about to be invaded by powerful armies and the Ammonites and the Moabites, and they were afraid. But the Lord spoke to King Jehoshaphat and said, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Second Chronicles 20, verse 15. So Judah experienced a great victory because they took God at his word, and they stood in their confidence in him. We also would look at Simon Peter. Remember, as a disciple of the Lord in the garden, he drew a sword against the soldiers who came to arrest Jesus there in the garden of Gethsemane. And he did this because he had just seen a whole group fall to the ground when they asked Jesus if he was the one they sought. And so when Jesus said, I am he, in John 18, 6, in that moment, Peter thought he was invincible. You know, And so he pulled his sword and he was ready to take on the whole army. Well, as a redeemed child of God, we stand in the power of God. We stand in, his full, in full assurance of the Lord's salvation. Uh, we do not have to fear the enemy, even if the enemy is Satan himself. And when we're attacked, we stand firm on the unchanging ground of God's grace, the gospel of grace, the same gospel that converted us as sinners into saints, the same gospel that changed God from our enemy to our protector. Uh, we who are on the outside, we're one on the outside, are now sons of God. He's our Heavenly Father, and we are His children. Everything we need. Uh, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, as it says in Ephesians uh, 6.10. So our confidence in the day of battle does not rest in our own power, but in the promises of God. We can turn to Romans chapter 8, and we can notice there these promises of God. In Romans chapter 8, a wonderful passage there at the end of the chapter, where it says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Is it is God that justifieth? Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things... We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you see how that kind of meshes with Ephesians 6? It just goes right together with that. And these are... Promises. These are truths and are the shoes that give us the ability to stand in the evil day. It's truth that we are loved by the Lord. It gives us confidence to stand. It's truth that we're saved by his grace. It gives us confidence to stand. It's truth that we are his children, and it gives us confidence to stand. The truth that we are in his tender care, and he's promised to stand with us. To protect us, to keep us, to defend us, to give confidence to stand. So the question tonight is, are you ready to stand? You have the preparation, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Do you have absolute confidence in your heart that God has saved your soul, forgiven your sins, and adopted you into his family? If you have that kind of confidence, you can stand regardless of whatever the enemy throws at you. If you don't have that deep confidence in your heart, you're going to be unstable in your battles. Unless you're grounded in the absolute assurance of salvation, the enemy will have little trouble knocking you off your feet. You can be sure. You can have confidence. You can know him, his power stand. You can be stable, strong, and sure. You have that stability, you need to be sure you're saved. And when you are, the enemy will have a hard time with you because you'll be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Do you have the right shoes on today? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for these precious promises that we've even uh, spoken of. We thank you, Lord, for these promises um, pieces of armor that are given to us to withstand against the enemy, which would have us to fail and to fall. And we pray, Lord, that you'll strengthen each one of us and help us to put on these uh, uh, these uh, defenses so that we can stand against uh, that which comes our way. Thank you, Lord, for this time in the word tonight. We pray in Jesus' name.